Welcome to the Talent for Tomorrow podcast. This is the show for Missourians who want to see our state become the best in Midwest for economic and workforce development. I'm Zora Mulligan, the Commissioner of Higher Education, and this is the last episode in this series about Talent for Tomorrow. In this one, we do kind of a speed round of the top factors that have shaped our thinking about our agenda for the upcoming year as well as far into the future. I know these conversations have also been influential to others that we've talked to in other departments in state government as well as in the governor's office. Today we're going to be hearing from 10 different voices about the comprehensive solutions that, are, that we need to make an impact in workforce development. You'll also be hearing from Rob Dixon, my occasional co-host and all-the-time partner in crime, in a couple of these talks throughout the episode. We begin this speed round with a few highlights from our conversation with Lisa Marshall, a Missouri Job Center supervisor from Warrington in Columbia. In this conversation with Lisa, we talk about the difference between a career and a job. Lisa talked about her approach, which is basically that a job is something you do to pay the bills, but a career is a longer-term prospect. It's a pathway or a calling. Job centers in Missouri serve two types of clients. One, they serve employers, and two, they also serve job seekers. Lisa talked about a job seeker as being a person who's unemployed and needs a paycheck, and that person really needs a short-term training program that lasts no more than 60 days. For me, that was a really important piece of information because in higher education, we often think of much, much longer-term time frames. Even a certificate is often something that it takes a student a year at least to earn. She also talks about the need for job seekers to have a progression of training that allows them to continue to move up the ladder. So if a student has 60 days of training this year, they may have 60 days next year and the one after that. We also talked about the need for workers to have durable skills, and those are the kinds of things that will allow a person to succeed as they move up or around an organization that they're already employed with, or as they move from job to job, and maybe even from industry to industry. So to tee this up, I asked Lisa what was one thing that could really make a difference for job centers across Missouri, but she actually gave us three. Career exploration needs to start at a much younger age. Um, The second is that we need those durable skills that you mentioned in your talk that you had for us. And then the third is that job seekers and employers need to know that we have Missouri Job Centers. I can't tell you how many times folks come in our door and they say, I didn't know you were here. So we need an avenue to um, advertise Mm -hmm. (laughs) and tell them that we're here. For our second speed round conversation, we talked to Nathan Fleming, who's a teacher at West Plains High School and a Project Lead the Way instructor. We asked Nathan what we, either the state or higher education, could be doing to provide resources to high school students, teachers, and counselors. I think if you guys developed um, a resource um, like this, uh, Hidden Rules, and just some some ready-to-go, interesting um, question answers that you could make available to staff mm-hmm. and then if you could advise schools on um, you know school schools tend to pick up programs and run with them and right. so if you just package it all up and say here's our career advisement package whatever do it once a week for 15 minutes or once a week for 15 minutes it can make an effect all right speed round number three uh, in our next two rounds we talked with two really interesting national thought leaders First, we asked Martin Vanderwerf, who's an Associate Director of Editorial and Post-Secondary Policy at the Georgetown Center on Education and the Workforce, how can higher education better connect and meet workforce needs? I'm seeing a lot more willingness by employers to to really approach, especially community colleges and for-profit colleges, and design learning experiences and post-secondary credential programs specifically to teach, you know, individual skills to students. The more that we can bring people who are trying to upskill 
into workplaces and really cooperate with um, employers, I think that's going to be a, uh, that's going to be the best thing that we can do for a lot of students, particularly the ones that you're talking about who we've really had a hard time reaching. The next national level person we talked to is Jimmy Hazel, who's a member of George Mason University's Board of Visitors. He's also an active uh, participant of the Association of Governing Boards Guardians Initiative. We talked with Mr. Hazel about the work being done in Virginia to meet their goal of being the best in the nation, not just their region. And I asked, what can we learn from the ambitious work being done in the Old Dominion? We have such a strong relationship between our business community and our public universities. Um, I've talked about Chev several times, but then we also have the Virginia Business Higher Education Council, which was created by the business community uh, in the 1990s, and, and it brings our highest profile business leaders to the table with our educators, our college presidents, and we work on these goals together. Yeah. And so, so that the university is there when the business community sort of says, here's what we need. Mm-hmm. And, and for instance, to a Examples of that um, was the Grow by Degrees program, which was started, I think, about eight to nine years ago, where the current goal is to have an additional 168,000 higher education degrees granted in Virginia by 2030 than we ordinarily would have had. And then the, the second statewide effort in partnership with the business community is Growth for Virginia, which really says our goal is to be the top talent state in the country, period. So how do we encourage higher education and employers to align their efforts? How do we achieve these big goals? We also heard some great ideas from a few economic developers who happen to be on opposite corners of the state, and we asked what colleges and universities do well to support economic and workforce development and what they could do better. My colleague Rob Dixon, the Director of Economic Development, joined me for this part of this speed round, so he'll be the first voice you hear. Next, you hear from John Maynard, who's the President and CEO of the Cape Girardeau Area Chamber of Commerce, and then all the way on the other corner of the state, Josh McKim, Executive Director at Nottaway County Economic Development in the far, far northwest part of the state. And then finally, Tim Cowden, President and CEO of the Kansas City Area Development Council. And if you had a magic wand, a magic policy wand that we as economic developers want our partners in, in higher education and in, in uh, elementary and secondary education to know, what would it be? What would, what would be some of those kind of big, bold ideas that you'd like to see implemented that would help us in Missouri grow our economy, win more deals, put more people to work? What I wish we could do from a K-12 standpoint leading into that, and then certainly at both higher levels, is is make people understand that not everybody and not everything is going to be a four-year degree, um, that there are other opportunities out there. There are, there are certainly one-year, two-year. There are certificated. There are targeted. There are many different really good opportunities in the workforce along those lines. Um, we have to get that information to people earlier, and then from a community college and university standpoint, we have to be more nimble with addressing regional needs and not necessarily being married to the things that we've always done. I think we're getting there. I don't think we're quite there yet. You know, one thing that's tough for us is we're about two hours away from our servicing community college. Um, And so when we're looking for technical support and technical training, 
Um, we're either having to have somebody cart two hours to us or send our people two hours away. If there was a way to be more mobile and, and provide the technical training that's needed in our industries in a mobile fashion, that'd be wonderful. We've tried to put together different types of programs. That would We put together a maintenance program about 10 years ago, and it was great for about two years until everybody had a maintenance worker and nobody needed to hire anybody else, and so it fizzled away. Well, 10 years later, we need a maintenance program again. Right. There's no longevity to it if they just do bricks and mortars, but if there's some way to make it a much more mobile, much more broader uh, access to these resources and these training components, I think that'd be very beneficial, especially to rural Missouri. I believe that there has been a lot of really solid progress made. I mean, you see what's going on across our region. You look at the Missouri Innovation Campus at Lee Summit and the partnership they have with the Lee Summit Schools and Metropolitan Community College and UCM. And then you look at the Independence Academy. I mean, there's some terrific things going on here as education is being transformed. But the thing, if I had a magic wand, I'd say use it to scale yeah, because exactly we have right. a great program now, but it's a problem of scaling up to the levels that Cerner needs. I mean, so, you know, Cerner would say, oh, yeah, those are great programs, but I don't need 500. I need 15,000. Exactly. Yep. And I know Jim's got employers like that in St. Louis and all across the state. So it's about how can we get these programs, which, again, I think there's some great intentionality that's occurred. I think higher education is listening. I think parents are more involved. I think the companies, the private sector is certainly engaged. But how do we get it scaled? And I think if we really want to be the best in the Midwest, it's about taking these programs, which are great, but get, getting them to a level that really has a sizable impact on what we do every day. That's a story that I know I'd like to tell on behalf of Kansas City and Missouri and, and our region, and I guarantee everybody across the state would like to tell that same story. For another perspective, we talk with John Gall, who's the Director of Training and Workforce Development at the St. Louis-Kansas City Carpenters Regional Council, and asked how growing apprenticeship programs can make a difference. We needed to figure out a way of how can we embed uh, bona fide apprenticeship programs into the high school experience so that uh, when, when these graduates uh, finished high school, you know, they really had a, 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 a leg up on, on any, anyone else of a near similar, you know, program. We were fortunate because we had the Bayless uh, High School who was looking to, to, to try something new and different. They, they were back in 03, 04, starting to see where they were having more and more attrition. There were, there were people dropping out. And when the, the superintendent looked at the data, uh, what she found was it was the, her Bosnian students who were uh, dropping out of high school. She came to the carpenters and said, hey, you know, can you help us uh, build a program that would allow us to retain our students and give them some meaning in their learning. We went out on a limb and, and uh, said, well, why don't we try uh, looking at the middle college experience that the Gates Foundation uh, had been doing work with, where they aligned uh, the work of, of the junior and senior year of high school with that of uh, the community college. Uh, and they aligned the work so much so that when those high school students graduated in that rural area of Texas. 
they not only got their high school diploma, but they also earned their associate degree. Sometimes we get caught up in the labels we use, but the important thing is creating opportunities for career exploration and hands-on training and thinking about when we offer internships. In our conversation with Ryan Klatt and Nick Rackers, commercial turf and grounds management instructors for State Technical College of Missouri, Nick talked about some of the challenges with terminology and shared the strategic ways they have designed their curriculum to maximize opportunities for internship as well as for full-time job offers due to the seasonal nature of their industry. We say you need an internship, and so students will look for one. But then on the same on the flip side, employers are like, well, we don't do internships. It's like it doesn't have to have the job title of internship to count as an internship on for for the credit required for your degree. And I think that's the other thing that you know it's it's just the terminology that we use sometimes. So, do all students at State Tech have to take an internship program? I would. Some programs are optional. Ours is required. Ours is required. Um, it actually the way our program is set up, we have. Um, a eight-week spring instead of going until May we get out in March and so that puts both first-year and second-year students depending where you're at in the program at the peak hiring time so our interns always have a leg up getting internship positions because they start in early March and the same thing goes for a graduate once they're done in March they're ready to hit the job market uh, for full-time employment at the same time and it are so ours is required Although we love talking with the instructors in the Commercial Turf and Grounds Management Program, we really love talking with the students who'd been part of that. One of the cool things that happened is that after we recorded the podcast in the summer, one of the students we talked to, Zach Belandusky, who had uh, an internship with the Boston Red Sox over the summer, had a really special opportunity to return to Fenway Park at the invitation of the Red Sox for the World Series in October. And then for number 10, the last segment of our speed round, Rob and I talked with Gary Kramer, the executive director of the State Historical Society of Missouri, about how history might repeat itself again in the future in significant ways that could really shape upcoming generations. The GI Bill was a bold idea, uh, and it has, I think, benefited society in ways that we can't even uh, quantify. Do we need bold action like that again? If so, Absolutely. You, what, what sort of and and it's not just that? the GI Bill. Uh, I was a child of parents who did not go to college, who did not go to high school, working class, very low working class, whose aspiration to go to college was made possible only because Lincoln University was the most affordable institution and it was 30 miles from my home. I never dreamed I'd work on a PhD. I think the point I'm trying to make is that that is a graphic illustration of how when students of limited financial means and opportunity are given a chance, they can, in fact, oftentimes succeed uh, very well. And so I, I, think, I think that's what we need, you know, not just the GI Bill, but I think we need opportunity for people who, under other circumstances, would not even imagine themselves mm -hmm. seeking higher education. So that was the top 10 speed round. I think we heard some really good ideas and themes starting to emerge. When I look at those answers, when I think back to the conversations we've had, one of the things I hear is, one, start early with information about careers and apprenticeships. Um, we also need to keep in mind the real needs of real-life people who we're serving, so developing quality short-term training programs that are flexible and that are mobile. Uh, we also need to think a lot more carefully about expanding and building partnerships between employers and educators. And then maybe last but not least is that we really need to think big. These small changes that we've been making over the last decade or so have made the difference in a lot of individual lives, but we're really at a time where we have to start thinking big at the state level. 
Thank you for joining us, and thanks to my co-host on this episode, Rob Dixon, as well as to our top 10 guests, Lisa Marshall, a Missouri Job Center supervisor from Warrington and Columbia, Nathan Fleming, West Plains High School teacher, Project Lead the Way instructor, and the man who introduced West Plains Middle School to Loafers Without Socks, Martin Vanderwerf, the Associate Director of Editorial and Post-Secondary Policy at the Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce in Pennsylvania, Jimmy Hazel, a Board of Visitors member with George Mason University in Virginia and a leader in AGB's Guardians Initiative, John Maynard, President and CEO of the Cape Girardeau Area Chamber of Commerce, Josh McKim, Executive Director at Nottoway County Economic Development, and Tim Cowden, the President and CEO of the Kansas City Area Development Council. Finally, John Gall, Director of Training and Workforce Development with the St. Louis and Kansas City Carpenters Regional Council, Uh, Nick Rackers, Commercial Turf and Grounds Management Instructor at State Technical College of Missouri, and Gary Kramer, the Executive Director of the State Historical Society of Missouri. Uh, last but not least, I want to thank Jerron Vale, Becky Dunn, Stephen Chapin, uh, and Alyssa McLeod with the Department of Higher Education for helping make this possible. And thanks to you for listening. If you like our show and want to know more about these economic development and workforce initiatives, please read our blog post for highlights from our interviews. Uh, and there's more at bestinthemidwest.com. You can subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on iTunes.